Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Okay, you can be seated. What that does, that gets you loosened up a little bit before I preach to you and kind of gets all the kinks worn out of you and amen. It's good to see Sarah with us today and her boyfriend. Thank you guys for being here. Miss Wendy's daughter, good to see you guys. All right. How many, let me ask you a question. How many are in the, uh, the high-tech world of, of texting? How many, how many text? Raise your hand. I, I, just text. You know, that is, that, to me, it's almost like a second language anymore. I mean, I do so, I'm amazed how much counseling and ministry and things that I even do through texting. Um, so anyway, here's, here's a cool little added feature that we're going to give to Victory Church. How many of you have ever sat there while myself or Brother Daniel or Brother Paul preaches or maybe you've sat in a Sunday school class where it's a little bit easier to do this. Maybe you've sat in a, in a worship service. And as we unpack a passage of Scripture, as we look at a point or a topic or a thought, and there's a question that pops to your mind, how many have some questions sometime from periodically? You think, man, I wonder about this, and I wonder about that, and I wonder what pastor would say about this. Well, I've created a way, actually, Carlos. I shared this idea with Carlos, and Carlos, in his savvy tech world that he lives in, and throws out those $85 words that float around up here somewhere that just don't lodge in my brain a whole lot. In his tech-savvy world, he has created for us a way that we can do this. Now, here's what I want you to do. There's a number on the screen. Most of you should have, if we have your cell phone number in our records, in our archives, most of you last evening should have received a text from Victory Church. Did you get one? How many got one? Raise your hand. All right, cool, cool. If you did not get a text from us, it's because we do not have your cell phone number in our archives, in our records. So we would love to have your cell phone number. Uh, so either put that on a connection card, email it into the church office, text it to this number, your cell phone number, whatever, so we can get your number. But here is a number that I want you to put in your phone and save. And you can title it, Ask Pastor John or ask some, ask questions or whatever, or Victory Church. What's going to happen as you text your question into 314-200-JOHN-1 or 5661, as you're sitting there and I'm preaching away and you have a thought or you have a question pertaining to the message, what I want you to do is text in your question to this number. Now, we do have texts that are in the back on the computer. They're editing, they're monitoring, they're deleting. All of your questions may not make it on the screen. All of your comments may not make it up there. There is a filter that we have intentionally put in place. So if you're going to slam me, I'll never know it, okay? All right? 
So these are, this is a way I want to try to create an environment where we can interact more. I don't want us to come just to kind of go through the motions and have church and go home. Our whole goal is to grow us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And a disciple is a committed, devoted Christ follower. Okay? And I want you to be spiritually mature. Now, I will put out a disclaimer. I do not know it all. Okay? I do not know, have the answers to all of your questions. But I'll tell you, as Dr. Bill Day, my theology professor in Bible college, told me, he said, you ask the question, I may not know the answer, but I'll commit time and hours and research to finding the answer for you. Okay? Now that's the disclaimer I'm going to say. At the end of each of our services, I want to take, when everything's said and done, I want to take about three minutes, four, five, no more than really five minutes, to just throw up a question or two and try to answer them at the conclusion of our service. How's that sound? Huh? All right, everybody got this number, 314-200, John 1. You got that? Save it in your contacts. If you have a question right now, if you have a comment right now, if you want to say, hey, this is really cool, send that in right now, and, uh, and they'll be monitoring that in the back. At the end, we're going to throw that up. Matter of fact, not only do they monitor that in the back, but we got it set up where it comes directly to my phone. Um, so uh, I'll see what comes in. Actually, I'm going to turn it over while I preach so that I can't see it until I'm done, okay? All right, is that cool or what? You know, I want to try to help grow us in the Word. And I remember when I was growing up in the Word and, and young in the faith, man, I had all these questions. And I was, I was a note taker. And I would sit there and I would take notes and I would take notes and I would take notes. And, and then I was fortunate enough that I could, I could pull aside some guys and ask some questions too. I mean, I'm, I'm very inquisitive uh, as I was learning and growing. And, and I hope and pray that you are. And I want to take that opportunity to try to answer some of those questions you may have, okay? Now, understand, I may not have all the answers, but I promise you, I will devote hours of research trying to find the answer to your question. And if I don't know it, I'll just tell you, I don't know it. I'll research it, I'll look it up, and I'll get back with you. Okay? All right, so kind of keep that in mind. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. By the way, save that number. We will print it in all of our material, our bulletins, our sermon notes, everything else uh, from here on out. I just got a vibration. Somebody just sent something. That's kind of cool. Actually, I'm going to have to put this over here. I've got it on vibrate, but that will distract me, okay? Oh, oh time out. I just got a text. You know, no, I can't, I can't do that. Psalm 145 in verse number 8. I want us to look at this passage of Scripture. Take out your sermon notes also, if you will, please. And you'll see that our D6 theme of the week is redemption. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful passage of Scripture that we've been studying as we've been in, in Genesis chapter 3 and, and following and uh, as we've been over in Romans chapter 5 also today in our classes and we're talking about redemption. I want you to look at some of the fusion facts that we will be unpacking this week in our devotional time, our study time. Fusion fact number one is grace is a gift that cannot be earned. And then I want you to look at fusion fact number three, which you'll unpack on Wednesday. Grace demonstrates the greatness of God. You see, as we've been talking about over the last several weeks, we've talked about the fall. We've talked about the curse. Today we're talking about redemption. 
Next Sunday, we'll be talking about the topic of corruption. Following that will be the descent of man. Following that will be judgment. Following that will be hope. Following that will be a new covenant. And that'll take us through almost Thanksgiving as we start unpacking these different topics week after week. As I got to looking at all these topics, there's one word that came to my mind. And it's the word grace. As you look at the divine plan that God has for every single one of us, there's one word that comes to my mind, and it's the word grace. And so really what I want to do over the next several weeks, I want to park a little bit on the subject of grace. And I want to spend the next three, possibly four Sundays as we are going through these topics, talking about the fall, the curse, redemption, corruption, the descent of man, judgment, hope, and then the new covenant, all of that can be summarized in one word, grace. God's amazing grace for every single one of us. So I want to teach a little bit for the next three to four weeks on the subject of grace. And today I want to talk about God's saving grace. Now we look into the Word of God and we can find all different aspects of the word grace. For instance, we can talk and we can look at restoring grace. And this is where God wipes away all the guilt and He helps us start with a fresh new beginning and He helps us to start over. That's restoring grace. But He also talks about, the Word of God talks about sustaining grace. That's where God gives us the power and the strength to live out our Christian life, to go through some of the battles and some of the trials that we go through. Thank God for His sustaining grace. We also look in the Word of God, we can find His healing grace. That's where God is working miracles and He's, he's administering healing. He is the great physician. He, he touches us and He hears and answers our prayers and our lives are physically changed as a result of God's healing grace. We also look about and we study His, his liberating grace. As a matter of fact, I think as you unpack the word grace and the more you get to know about God's amazing grace, you'll find that it is extremely liberating. And what liberating grace does for us, it breaks us free from the concept, concept of having to be perfect. It breaks us free from religious bondage. It breaks us free from the legalism that many denominations and churches and leaders and Bible teachers and pastors try to put on us. We, we have liberating grace. Boy, I'll say more about that because early on in my ministry, I was caught up in a legalistic form of ministry that really almost, I mean, I, I was in that thing so much, I was like, man, I, I'm not even happy doing this. What in the world's going on? And I found out I was being influenced by some men that were caught up in legalism. And man, when I discovered God's grace, and the more I got to know about God's Word, I'm realizing, hey, I am not bound by the laws of man. I am not bound by the legalism of some theologians. I am free in Christ Jesus once we start understanding the concept of grace. Anybody say amen right there? Also, we see assuring grace. That's where God helps us defeat our doubts. You ever have those moments and those times when you're doubtful? either of your salvation, of the future, or of your present life, or the will of God. You see, God gives us that assuring grace. And then there's that offering grace, and that's where God helps us to extend God's grace to others. And then there's growing in grace, and that's how we become more of what God has 
planned and means for us to be. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on and on talking about the aspects of grace. But today I want to start with the foundational principle of grace. As we talk about the fall, as we talk about the curse, as we talk about redemption, as we talk about corruption, as we talk about the descent of man, as we talk about the judgment, as we talk about hope, as we talk about the new covenant, foundational to all of that is the saving grace of our God. Hello? That's what I want to try to help unpack in all of our hearts and our lives and help us get a better understanding of God's grace. So before I go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be able to stand and proclaim and hear the Word of God. Father, we thank you for a copy, a copy of the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God that we have in our hands and in our homes. God, there are many people around the world that would love to have one page out of our Bibles. There are many people around the world that aren't fortunate enough to have a copy of your Word. God, I thank you for the Word of God. May we not take that for granted. And Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts even now. Father, I pray that you'd speak through me as I have studied as I have prepared, I pray, dear God, you'd help me to share exactly what you lay on my heart through this next little moment together. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the words that I'm going to say and pierce the heart of each one that is here. And my prayer is that we would all experience the saving grace of a great and mighty God. Father, help us to have a better understanding of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me say a few phrases, and as I say these phrases, I would like for you to complete the phrase for me. Here's one of the phrases that are very common phrases in America. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. We've all heard that. We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. There's no such thing as a free, free lunch, free rod, same concept. Concept. Where there is no pain, there is no gain. Here's another one, and people will say this is in the Bible. I have yet to find it. But the common phrase, God helps those who help themselves. You see, all of this wraps up the common concept of the American way of living. You see, everything about the, Amer the American way teaches us that we get what we earn in life, that there's no free lunch, that however you make your bed is how you're going to lie in it. You see, in the American culture today, we value competition and we value winning. We value hard work. We value good elbow grease and putting forth the effort. We value sweat equity, do we not? I mean, the whole concept of being hard-working people really is the, is the paradigm, the nucleus of what has made America great. Would you agree? We are hard-working people as Americans. And a lot of these common phrases a lot of times filter through our life, but unfortunately, I want you to understand the American work ethic is not the same in the spiritual life like it may be in your physical life and trying to make a living. 
We cannot bring the American work ethic into our spiritual life, into our salvation, if you will. You see, I love good hard work. I mean, I was raised working hard, and my dad taught me, work hard. I love a good hard work ethic. I have very little tolerance for lazy people. Hello? Don't come crying and whining to me about how tired you are. Don't come crying and whining to me about laying... Listen, work. That was weak. Maybe you don't agree with me. I like hardworking people. Hello? I can't stand a lazy leech. Can you? Somebody just sponging off of you. Somebody just piggybacking off of you. That gets tired to me. Woo! Preach it, brother. Amen. The good American work ethic. I love it. But we must be careful, church. And we must understand that the problem with the American work ethic is that God doesn't operate on the American work ethic. And many times it makes it difficult for us to relate to God when we have this work-driven mentality. We're always thinking that there's something else that we must do in order to inherit heaven. There's something else we must do in order to experience God's saving grace. There's something that I must do to experience heaven once we day. Let me tell you something, guys. There's nothing you must do. It's all been done. And I want to start unpacking a little bit the concept of grace. In Psalm 145, in verse number 8, the Scripture says, The Lord is what? Gracious. Boy, in your Bibles, you need to underline that word. You need to get a hold of that concept. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, and He's great in faithful love. And just let me say this. You cannot understand the principles or the concept of the Christian life unless you understand grace. And I want to spend the next few weeks talking about the subject of grace and trying to answer the question, what is grace? You see, grace is like a multifaceted diamond. I mean, there's just not one aspect of grace. There's just not one side of grace. It has so many different tentacles that come off of the word grace that that applies to all of our lives. A lot of people try to define grace, and some say that, that grace is God's love in action. Some say that grace is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Some say that grace is the face that God wears when he looks at my failures. I've shared with you the difference between grace and mercy. You understand that mercy is simply God not giving us what we do deserve, and grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. There is a difference. Thank God for His grace and His mercy. Amen? You see, I know you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, Preacher, I understand the whole concept of grace. I understand that I'm not saved by works. I understand that it's a free gift. I really don't need you to unpack that a little bit, but here's the problem. As I look around in our church and other churches, as I travel and meet other believers and other Christians, as I sit in counseling sessions with people that are struggling in their faith, we may believe that we are saved by grace. 
We may believe that we are not saved by our works, but the problem is we live our lives like we're saved by works. You see, you may say to yourself, we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. But yet, a lot of times your actions, you are trying to get the approval of a holy God by what you're doing or what you're not doing. Let me tell you something, church. There's nothing that you can do that will make God love you any more, and there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you any less. And once you experience God's saving grace, there's nothing you can do to be saved more, nor is there nothing you can do to be saved less. You're not saved by what you do. You're not saved by how you live. You're not saved by what you're thinking. You're saved because of what Jesus did on the cross, plus and minus what? Nothing. So understanding this salvation or this saving grace is, is foundational to our life. I want to share with you five aspects of saving grace. Now, you look on your sermon notes, you have the acrostic grace, G-R-A-C-E. I want to try to share five aspects of God's saving grace. It reminds me of a professor at Yale University, and he got up and he said, students, and he's preaching or teaching at the big, uh, big conference where all the students are together, and he said, I'm going to preach on what it means to be a Yale student, Y-A-L-E, young, adventurous, loyal, enthusiastic, and he, he spoke on that, but he spoke for an hour and a half on those four letters in Yale, young, adventurous, loyal, enthusiastic. After an hour and a half of speaking, he finally dismissed, he goes up to a student and a student, he asked the student, he said, what did you think about the lecture today? The student said this. He said, I was thanking God I did not go to Massachusetts Inst Institute of Technology. <laughs> I promise you I'm not going to be that long as I talk about these five aspects of the word grace. Okay? But for the letter G, I want you to write this down, if you will, please. Saving grace is God's gift to me. Is God's gift to me. In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 24, it says that they are justified freely. Boy, you need to get a hold of that word. Underline that one in your Bible and turn to these scriptures, if you will, please. Romans 3, 24 says they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Guys, there's one thing you need to understand about salvation. Salvation is a free gift. But as I've already alluded to in my introduction, we in America, with this, this great work ethic that we have, we bring that into our spiritual life, and we will accept God's grace, and then we'll try to work as hard as we can to keep it, or to earn it, or to somehow merit receiving that grace. You've got to understand that salvation is a free gift. It's God's gift to me. As a matter of fact, if you went up to folks and you asked them, how do you get to heaven? What do you think you'd have to do to earn your way to heaven? You would get a, a number of responses. I want you to watch this short video clip of the word on the street of an individual that went up and started asking some questions about how to get to heaven. Watch this clip, if you will, please.
something wrong, you try to make it right or end it to it or Speechless. No, I have a clue. He asked him if he wanted an easier question. All right, you can, you can wind that video down. I guess you get the idea. Now, I appreciate the, the idea that these individuals have. I appreciate the fact that they want to live right. I appreciate the fact that they want to pray. But my question is, if you've got to pray to get to heaven, then how much praying must I do? When do I know that I've prayed enough to get to heaven? If I must live a good life, how good of a person must I be? If I must... And then one lady spiritualized it, and she said, we have our church family and we share. <laughs> I appreciate her heart. I appreciate where she's going with this. But you know what? Just coming and sharing with your church family is not going to get you to heaven, folks. You understand what I'm saying? It seems like we, we accept this thing by grace, and, and we accept salvation by faith through grace, or by, by grace through faith. But then we, we live our lives like there's something that we must do in order to merit heaven one day. Let me tell you something, guys. Grace is simply God's gift to me. It's a free gift. Romans 3.24, they are justified how? Freely. They're justified freely by His grace. We must understand that God's salvation is absolutely free. You got that, folks. It is free. Matter of fact, let me share this with you. There is a fundamental difference between Christianity and every other religious organization out there in our world today. I mean, I don't care what there are. You've got Christianity here, and then there is a fundamental difference between every other faith that is out there. I don't care if it's Hinduism. I don't care if it's Buddhism. I don't care if, the, if it's the Islamic faith. There, are, there is a fundamental difference between Christianity and all these other religions. And what is it? I can summarize it in one word. All these other religions, whether it be Hinduism or, or, uh, or, or, or is the Islamic faith or, or Mormonism, I mean, on and on and all these other religions that are out here, they can be summarized in one word. You know what that one word is? Anybody know what that one word is? Do. 
It's the one word, do. I must do this. I must do this. Now, they'll start with belief, and they may even incorporate faith, but as soon as they get past belief and faith, then they're going to add the word do. And so all these other religions, what I must do in order to be a good Hindu or a good Muslim or whatever, I must do these works of righteousness or these works or these deeds. What is one word that summarizes the Christian faith? Done. Every other religion is do. Christianity is done. You remember when Jesus was on the cross? What was the last word he said on the cross? It is what? Finished. In other words, he said it is done. Now notice he did not say I am finished. He did not say I am dumb or done. He said it is finished. What is it? The plan of salvation. You see, Jesus still had more work to do. I mean, he had to die. He had to be buried. He had to rise again the third day. He had to ascend back to the Father. He's there making intercession for you right now. He's atoning for your sins. He placed himself on the mercy seat. I mean, God's work, Jesus' work, he's still working. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. The plan of salvation is done. So I want you to understand that saving grace is God's gift to me, and there's nothing that you can do to earn it. The letter R, write this down, is it must be received by faith. This saving grace must be received by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. You see, faith is the key that unlocks the door. And it's a gift that God gives you. But we've got to do one thing. Receive it. We must receive the gift that he gave. I've got in my pocket a $20 bill. Kristen, come up here. Come up here. My daughter is going to come here. You can praise the Lord for this illustration today, honey. I am going to give her a $20 bill. Now, what must she do in order to get this? She must receive it. She must take it. She must interact. She must acknowledge that the gift is there. And then she did what she does so well. She takes daddy's money. Amen? And I hardly, I don't know that I ever get change back if there's ever change to be given back. But the point is, she receives that 20. Now, let's just say I have this $20 bill. I'm going to give it back to you, I promise. <laughs> I've got this $20 bill. And I say, Kristen, I'm going to give you $20. But when I give you this 20 I need you to clean your room. I need you to help mom with the laundry. I want you to vacuum the floor and then clean my car. And I'll give you this $20. Now, let me ask you something. Was that a gift? If I give her this $20 and I put all these strings to it, is that a gift? No. She's working for it now, is it? She's earning that $20. But you know what I'm going to do today just because I am such a great dad? I am going to give my daughter 20. Notice I did keep it in the family, amen? <laughs> so go ahead. Give Kristen a hand. Thank you, honey, for coming up here. 
But that is a picture of how we are to receive the grace of God. It's just a free gift. Jesus paid the cost. Now get this, because it is a free gift doesn't mean it's a cheap gift. Hello? It doesn't mean there was not a cost for this gift. What did it cost to get this gift that we're going to receive? It cost God giving up His only Son. It cost Jesus giving up His his life to die on the cross. It took a sinless God and all the sins of the world being placed upon Him. It cost our God extremely a large amount to give us this free gift. Hello? So I want you to understand that saving grace, it's God's gift to me and it's received by faith. You see, salvation is not based on my performance. It's based on God's promise. Salvation is not based on my goodness. It's based on God's grace. Salvation is not based on my merit. It's based on God's mercy. It's all about Him, and it's just me receiving it. Hello? The letter A. Jot this down, if you will, please. i got to go on. Boy, I'd love to unpack under that received by faith. The story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 about Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And, and Jonathan looked around and he, th- he, saw, he thought, who in Saul's household can I bless? And they said, well, there's Jonathan's son. He's a crippled boy. And you remember the whole story, how he went and he brought him and he said, bring him to the king's table. And here's this little crippled boy and he comes to the king's table. I don't have time to talk about all that. But this boy was crippled. And David said, you're now going to be treated like you're my son. Sit at my table. Guys, that's what God's done for us. You see, we've been crippled by sin. Our emotions have been shattered. Our lives have been broken. We are hurting. And God says, I want you to come sit at my table. It's a free gift. I don't have time to unpack all that. Let's go a little bit further. The letter A. The letter A, God's saving grace is available to everyone. It's available to everyone. I want you to understand that our God doesn't play favorites. Hello? There's no big eyes and little U's in the family of God. And that's why I'm pretty adamant around here. There's no big eyes and little U's. It's level at the foot of the cross. Amen? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. God does not play favorites. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your social status may be. It does not matter how much money you may or may not have. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. It doesn't matter how deep or how dark or how, how big your sin may be. God says, I do not play favorites. My salvation is available for everyone. In Romans chapter 4 and verse number 16, it says, this is why the promise, what's the promise? The promise of salvation. This is why the promise is by faith. So that it may be according to grace to guarantee to all the descendants, get this now, not only to those who are of the law. Who is that? That's the Jews. The writer of Romans saying not only to those who are of the law, the Jews, but also to those who are of Abraham's faith. Now, was Abraham a Jew? Huh? Yeah, he was. But the point is, I want you to understand that it says that it's of Abraham's faith. In other words, if you have faith like Abraham has, and that's all of us as Gentiles and all of us as believers, if you will exhibit the type of faith that Abraham exhibited, then you too can be part of this saving grace, the promise of salvation. Romans 10, 13, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This saving grace is for anyone. I don't believe that God has predestined some to go to hell and there's some elect that are going to hell and there's some that are saved and going to heaven or some going to hell regardless of whatever it is. They, I don't believe that. I believe God, Jesus died for everybody, the sins of the entire world. 
And I believe that everyone is potentially saved. Hello? And it's whether we are going to receive this gift or not. The letter C, jot this one down. Saving grace is not only God's gift to me. It's not only be, to be received by faith. It's not only available to everyone. C, it comes through the person of Jesus Christ. It comes through Christ and through Him alone. John 1 and 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. My question is why? Why did grace and truth only come through Jesus? Why didn't it come through Buddha? Why didn't it come through somebody else? You want me to tell you why? Because Jesus is the only one that died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Hello? It's only in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Boy, I like that. He's the only one that was able to pay the price for my sins on the cross, and he paid for your sins. And You see, law tells me that that what I did was wrong, that I blew it. But I like this. Grace says you're forgiven. Amen? Thank God for that. Back in Psalm 145, verse 8, it says God is gracious. He loves to be gracious to you. Whether you merit His grace or not, He loves to be gracious. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad there's a God in heaven that just loves to give you grace? Listen, he, he's, he's, been gra- he's been so gracious to me. He's been so gracious to all of us. And I don't know that there's a person here who can say, man, I deserve God's grace today. Is there? He loves to be gracious, and it comes to the person of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 15b says, The grace of God and the gift overflowed to the many by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ. I love all through the Bible, over 120 times in Scripture, you'll find the phrase, those that are in Christ. In Christ. Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? You know what it means? It means that I am clothed now in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I am in Christ Jesus. Over 120 times in the Word of God that's mentioned. So therefore, whenever God, and we're studying about Adam, we're studying about the fall, and we're studying about redemption, we're studying about the curse and, and all this, Whenever God looks over the portals of heaven, I want you to understand, folks, he only sees two men. Now, yes, he knows who you are, and yes, he has a plan for you specifically, and yes, he's aware of, of what you... We, we have a great God, but I want you to know, spiritually, he looks over the portals of heaven, and he sees two men. He sees you either in Adam, or he sees you in Christ. One of the two. Let me try to give this example, if you will. This piece of paper that I'm holding up is my life. Any way you turn it, it's marked by sin. Either way. Now, when God looks over heaven, he can see me in my life in sin. This is in Adam. Or he can see me in Christ. I mean, I try to illustrate it this way. Let's just say that this Bible is, represents Jesus Christ. And this represents my life. Now, God sees me outside of Christ. He sees me where? In my sin. In Adam. But over here he sees his son Jesus Christ. Now here's what happens. Whenever I receive God's wonderful saving grace, whenever I receive his salvation that is completely free, what happens is now I place my life inside of Christ. And let me ask you a question. Do you see John Cannon's life? Hello? Do you see it? No. What do you see? 
You see Jesus, right? The Bible represents Jesus. I mean, any way you look at it, you see Jesus. But where am I? I am in Christ Jesus. It's a free gift. I accept it by faith. I receive it. I believe what he did for me on the cross. It is finished. The promise of salvation is done. I am in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen? Now, if you was at a ball game and somebody scored a touchdown, you'd shout, you'd clap, and the scooters, I think, scored four touchdowns all year long. And the other night, they scored one night, and the place went crazy. And they just scored a touchdown. Hello? Why don't you give the Lord a praise offering right now? Because you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? What a touchdown. What a plan that God has for us. That was still weak, but maybe you can practice on that, okay? Oh, i got to finish up. The letter E. This saving grace, last point... It's extended throughout eternity. It's extended throughout eternity. You see, this decision I make to receive Jesus, the plan of salvation into my life, it's not something that's just going to get me through tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. You see, it's not something that I use as a spare tire just to kind of get me until I can get the good tires put on. I mean, this thing called salvation that we experience with the saving grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ, it will get us all through eternity. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Read it for me. Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, let me tell you something. There are some eternal benefits as a result of receiving this wonderful plan of salvation, this saving grace of our God. It will reap dividends throughout eternity. And I don't know of a person sitting in this room today or a person in the world today that will honestly look me in the eyes, eyeball to eyeball, and tell me I would, that, I, that I would love to go to hell one day. There's not one person I know in their right mind that would tell me I cannot wait to get to hell. Now, there may be some bold enough to say that, but deep down in their heart, they're scared to death when they lay their head on their pillow at night all by themselves. And they may never tell you, and you may never know it, but I don't know of a person in the right mind that would tell me, Preacher, I can't wait to get to hell one day. Hello? You know what everybody wants? They want to get to heaven. But they're trying all these other ways, as I typified in the video. They're trying to pray more. They're trying to share in their church group. They're trying to do good works. All these, listen, it has nothing to do with that. It was finished on the cross. And when we receive this gift by faith, what a deal, folks. It pays dividends throughout all eternity. And let me share with you four things real quickly about what heaven will be like. Have you ever stopped to think, what will heaven be like? I mean, when we die and go to heaven, what would that be like? Have you ever unpacked that in Scripture? Scripture teaches us several things, but here's four I want to share with you. First of all, heaven's going to be a place of reunion. I mean, a place to reunite with those loved ones that had died in Christ Jesus. Hello? What a reunion's going to be one day in heaven when we can see loved ones that have gone on before. Hello? What a place. What a place. Not only will heaven be a place of reunion, it will also be a place of reward. Oh, there's going to be some great rewards in heaven. I mean, there's some crowns. As a matter of fact, there are five crowns that you can earn right now. Now, these, these, you're not earning these for your salvation. You're earning these for the rewards one day to get in heaven. And there's going to be some rewards paid out in heaven one day. It's going to have a direct result of your character and how you served and how serious you were about following Christ on this earth. 
There's some great rewards going to be passed out in heaven one day. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand in our God's presence and know that he gave everything so that I could be there and me not have one reward to earn to be able to give back to him to lay at his feet. I want to earn some rewards, some crowns that I can give back. Hello? Heaven's also a place of reassigned work. What do I mean by that? Guys, let me tell you something. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be Casper the friendly ghost floating around on some cloud one day just, just hum, here I go on my cloud. No, 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 no. Heaven's going to be a place of work. Hello? And, and, you, and God's going to reassign you to a particular work where you are gifted that he's called you to work in and serve in. And we're going to be serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we'll never get tired. We'll never grow weary. There'll be great rejoicing in our service and our work as we're serving and working in heaven. Hello? I like that part of it. And number four, it's a place of release. Heaven's a place of release. Think about all the pain, all the suffering, all the sadness, all the sorrow, all the grief all the depression, all the loneliness, so forth and so on, all of that will be released one day. And we'll be in a place where there is no pain, and there is no sorrow, and there is no sadness, and there is no loneliness, and there is no crime, and there is no abuse. Hello? What a place that's going to be. But guys, the only way you're going to get there, how do you get to heaven? If I had to ask you to fill in the blank, if I brought you up here and gave you a microphone and I asked you the question, how do you get to heaven? What would you tell me? I hope and pray you'd tell me one thing. In and through the person of Jesus Christ, Him only, and by us receiving His wonderful, saving, amazing grace and receiving Him into our heart and into our life. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you to understand that heaven is a wonderful place. And this, this thing called salvation is a wonderful gift. But it is only good if you receive it. In our D6 classes, we've been talking about the fall. We've been talking about the curse. Keep every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around, please. We've been talking about the fall. We've been talking about the curse. We talked about redemption. I don't know about you, sometimes whenever I go and I start really digging into the fall and the curse, sometimes it gets depressing, doesn't it? But I want you to know that Jesus, and we studied today in Genesis 3.15, it's called the pro-evangelical, the first prophecy of the coming of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has made a way. He's, made, he's got a plan. He's created a wonderful design that all you must do is simply receive him by faith and experience this saving grace. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, have you received Christ as your personal Savior? The promise and the plan of salvation is complete. Have you received him as your Lord and your Savior? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sin? Come into your heart. Be your God. Have you done that? If you haven't, during this invitation, I'll be standing here. And if you need to come forward, I invite you to come forward. We'll get someone to pray with you, to work with you in the area of salvation. Let me change it just a little bit. If you're here today and you've already accepted Christ as your Savior, 
But somehow deep down in your heart, you feel like there's something else you must do in order to inherit heaven. There's something else you must do. There's some good works. Maybe you're bound by legalism. Maybe you're bound by religion. There's liberty in God's saving grace. And God doesn't want you to be bound by legalism. He wants to liberate you today. Maybe you just need to come forward and pray. and Maybe you need somebody to talk to. I invite you to come. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing this song of invitation. I'll be here. If you need to come forward, I invite you to come. And share with me what your need is. I'll pass you off to one of our deacons and they can pray with you and help you. But whatever your need is today, I invite you to come this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your wonderful saving grace. We thank you, God, that you love us. You've created a marvelous, wonderful plan for our salvation. And it's totally free. We thank you, Jesus, that you said it is finished. The plan of salvation is complete. All we must do now is acknowledge our need for a Savior and receive this wonderful grace, this wonderful gift, receive Christ into our hearts. And it will have eternal effects. And God, for the one that may be sitting here today that's never received you, if they reject this wonderful gift, there will also be eternal consequences. In a place separated from you, where the Bible teaches there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place called hell that's been prepared for the devil and his angels, not people. But God, if they don't accept you and receive this wonderful plan, that's where your word tells us that they will spend an eternity. God, deal with hearts this morning as we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.